0: Hello, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of Believe in Bears. My name is Joy Christopoulos. My co-host, Corey Wooten. But first, today's episode is presented by BetOnline.ag. In football, it's back and better than ever. And BetOnline.ag, it's got a new web interface for the start of the basketball season as well. And there are more props, odds, and lines than ever before because BetOnline remains your number one spot for all your sports action this season. So head to that new updated desktop, or go on your mobile right now to sign up today. Receive a fifty percent welcome bonus on your first deposit. Just use promo code Believe fifty B L E A V five zero to receive that bonus. All sorts of sports across the board, right down to your favorite Vegas casino games. Don't wait to take advantage of all the amazing offers available for the twenty twenty one season. Bet online the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your favorite sports. Bet online where the game starts. Ladies and gentlemen, thank you so much for coming into the pod. We got a heartbreaker on our hands right here. The Chicago Bears lose to the Pittsburgh Steelers 29 to 27 in week 9 on a last second 40 yard field goal by Chris Boswell. A last second 65 yard miss by Cairo Santos. You know, it was a tail of two halves. That second one got crazy. Let's bring in my co-host, former Chicago Bears defensive end and Fox 32 Chicago's very own Corey Wooten. What is up, Corey? How oh, heavy man. is your heart today?
1: <laughs> it, it, it's it's really heavy because that was a tough one. I mean, uh, ups and downs of the game, kind of looking like there's no chance, um, like same old Bears, and then all of a sudden they come back and get to a point, you know, where, you, you know, they have a big third down. You know, it's 23-20. We get off the field with the sack, we think, and then the big penalty there. I, I don't know what was going on, but that ref, I'll tell you, he was having a bad day because – he was, he was going to flag him, and it looked like he kind of, like, bumped into him on purpose. Catches looked
0: looked like, dude, he, yeah. was, he was the guy, like, in the grocery store who's not getting out of the way, and then you hold off for a second, then you try and move around him, and he still kind of, like, bumps you, and you're like, what's this guy's
1: deal? It's crazy. Exactly. I'm from New Jersey, and there's, there's a lot of Tommy Tough guys, we call them, you know, guys that try to get in your way or something, and, hey, what are you, pushing me, huh? What are you, what are you tough guy, huh? Nah, That's what that ref was doing. I'm like, come on. He was pulling the flag and bumped into him before anything even happened. All he did was look at the sideline. He didn't say, like, you know, Degeneration X, like, suck it or something crazy like that. Literally, he looked at the sideline and walked back. What is the problem, right? If somebody gets a sack, sometimes they stare at people, you know, cross their arms, and that's it, right? He didn't do anything crazy. Um, but that that's a huge momentum thing, and and obviously you know people are going to say that was you know the deal breaker in the game. Um, it's, it's a huge play. And
0: well, it's three points, right? They went down and they kicked the field goal afterwards. So I mean, ex- ex- exactly.
1: Sense. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, Ch- uh, Chicago, Justin Fields and company, you know, had the touchdown to, you know, Darnell Mooney, and you know, a different ball game if that doesn't happen. Um, you know, not saying we're going to score the same way, but if we score a touchdown. Game's over, you know what I mean? Uh, so it's just, it's tough to lose like that, especially, you know, some calls you're like, okay, you know, maybe missing a holding call or something like that. But, like, you know, that that kind of call by ref is just it's very disheartening to see, um, especially in this day and age in the league.
0: Yeah, Corey, let's just, before we get into the game, let's just stick with the thing because obviously a lot of people are talking about it and it's I think it's kind of entered the sports zeitgeist for the next couple of days and, you know, Tony Correnti's got a lot to answer for where do we go with this taunting penalty? Right? Because yeah. as a lawyer, if I was Cassius Marsh's lawyer, I'd go over and I'd be like, Yana, who was he taunting? Like, who was he looking at? And that could, you know, what I mean, like, he could have, could have been looking at the crowd. He could have been staring. So now we can't have our entire body pointed in the general direction of an opponent after a play. Yeah. I mean, is this, is this one of those rules, Corey, where next year, they're going to get rid of it or reinterpret it. You're going to look back I, I, I think and be so. like, man, this is this was crazy BS.
1: Yeah. I I think it was like the emphasis, you know, every year, um, you know, when we used to play, they, they'd have like a rules meeting in, in uh training camp, right? Where they go over, okay, what's the emphasis rule this year? And and I'm sure this year was taunting anybody that taunts, you know, we're, we're, we're going to crack down on you and there's going to be no place for that. And I think it's I think it's kind of ridiculous. You know, we've kind of touched on it in some earlier podcasts. I think the football game is, is, is itself, people get excited about, you know, people making a play and looking at somebody staring at somebody down like that's what makes football football. Right. You go across the middle and you get popped clean hit with your shoulder and the, the you know, wide receiver goes down. You know, you used to be you stand over him and you flex, you flex your chest at them. That's what it was. You just let him know that this is my zone. And if you're coming across the middle, i am gonna make you feel pain. And that's what people love to see. You know, think about guys like, you know, Ronnie Lott, uh, Brian Dawkins, you know, guys like that. They'll come downhill and, and made a living on, you know, destroying people. Um, that wouldn't be able to happen now. You know, I, yeah. honestly, you know, with, with, with the way the, the rules are, you know, I agree with the, the, the making it safer, but as far as taunting, um, you know, I think, if you're standing over somebody for a long period of time and you're not letting them get up this, that, and the other, yeah, that should be a flag. But if you hit somebody real quick, you stand over them and, you know, do something like it shouldn't be, it shouldn't be a flag. And I I just, it takes the fun out of it, you know, not only for the players, but the fans. We want to see that, right? Don't you? Don't you want to see when somebody gets a huge sack to do whatever celebration they want to? Yeah, we were
0: like, it is. we and my buddies were like, look at him, snap on that roundhouse. That's what we were talking yeah. about, right? And we were entertained and we were laughing by it. And obviously, yeah. clearly, you know, his emotion and his passion. He just should have remembered what direction he was pointing his emotion, Corey. Because th- exactly. and this is the problem. And look, we can we can nail on, bang on, Correnti, all we want to, but if this is the rule, we're asking them to interpret expression. Mm-hmm. And there's a lot of details. This is a complicated thing, this thing called life, right? And Cassius March is a former Pittsburgh Steeler who was on their practice squad. He's he used to be in camp with them. So for him to not get some sort of satisfaction out of coming into the game in a big moment and picking up a yeah. sack and I'm sorry, maybe just looking across that sideline being like, Hey, do you remember me a little bit? Like, I don't know. I think that's the spirit of competitiveness. And then on top of that inter- interpretation, the illegal cut black, it never happened, uh, Corey. Um, can you talk on that a little bit? Uh, you know what is and what is outside the tight end box on this one. Correnti after the game, said, "Well, it looked like he wanted to initiate it. Well, you can initiate all you want, but if you whiff by three or four yards, it's not a, it's not a penalty. I don't, I don't get that it, one either.
1: Exactly. I, I think it's the thing where you know they have so much emphasis in their head of things like the, the illegal cut blocks and this taunting." That sometimes they try to look for things that aren't there, right? Obviously, seeing him go down for the cut block, but he whiffed. Like that's not that's not a penalty. If you don't touch anybody, that's not a big deal, right? It could be a thing where you know the the refs warn that you know and say, "Hey, listen, next time, you know, if he connects with him, this is this is a cut block, and we'll get fined for it, and there'll be a flag and this, that, and the other." But if if he obviously whiffed, that that can't be a penalty, right? That's like that's like that's like saying you know, oh, you you know, you're gonna get a You know, hands to the face penalty when it didn't even happen. Like, this doesn't make any sense. So, I just think they need to get better. And and sometimes when you put an emphasis on stuff, all these refs look for stuff that's maybe not there. You know, it's like, it's like if you're always like looking for something like, oh, did did he do that or did he not? I can't really tell. I saw him go low. I didn't really see anything. And they get nervous that if they don't call it, they're going to get in trouble you know, from who, whoever the supervisor or, you know, whoever that is, maybe it's Dean Blandino in, in New York saying, you know what, you should have called that, you know, so maybe they get nervous about things like that. But yeah, it's just, it's just taking away the fun out of the game. You know, obviously they're trying to make things safer. I agree with that, but I mean, taunting, come on, who's going to get hurt from that, right? Maybe your pride <laughs> a little bit, yeah, yes. maybe your ego. <laughs> yeah. But uh, you know, I, I understand the cut block thing, but if, if you're not touched, I was going to cut black.
0: doesn't make any sense. So <laughs> Yeah, and my maybe my final question, and then I do I want to move on to Justin Fields because there's a lot to talk about with Justin Fields. that has me very, very excited. Yeah. But my final one is, what is your impression on – because I'm starting to pick up on this just as a fan and as an observer. Mm-hmm. You know, that's our third on sportsmanlike like conduct penalty. We're second in the NFL in personal fouls. We had 12 yeah. penalties last night. We're averaging 7.4 a game. Yeah. Is there anything to, in your opinion, play in the game for as many years as you did just for me personally like i'm going to use a, an analogy when i used to work at a restaurant and when a new when a manager comes in maybe he gets it from on high he goes you know what too many employees have been late lately so we need you to kind of clean that up and sometimes you look at the dude or the or the lady who is late most often and try and maybe keep an extra eye on them sometimes it just sort of feels like this undisciplined nature that the bears have been exhibiting now for over a month it's definitely catching up to them. I kind of sort of feel like I don't want to say that the refs are targeting them, but when we're talking about point of emphasis and we're talking about stuff that you know they walk into a game knowing, the Bears are on the other side of the ones that are more likely to have these situations happen. Yeah. Do you buy into that where like it's sometimes – I don't know if it's a chicken and the egg, but the more undisciplined a team is, the more the referees might be willing to call certain stuff, and it goes back in both ways and it continues to snowball?
1: Yeah, well, I think the thing that people don't realize is uh, refs – before every game they look at you know the tape of the bears or the steelers and they kind of know certain tendencies right they know maybe tj watt is cheating the line of scrimmage he could possibly be off sides right so that could be something yeah exactly so they they put an emphasis on it and you know they might be more likely to throw a flag or something like that or if they know you know jason peters likes to get outside with his right hand or cody white here blocking They'll, they'll make a mental note of that and and they'll kind of zone in. So people sleep on the fact that refs do watch film too. And, and every crew, they're going to have an emphasis like, okay, you know, the bears are very penalized, you know, a lot of holding penalties. They like to keep their hands outside at times, you know, with, within the tackle box and uh, we're going to keep an extra eye on that. So that's why you see some of these extra calls and knowing, you know, that people are constantly calling it against you. You think you, you'd you make a mental note. Okay. Okay let me make my my hands inside and then hey after the play you know a guy like mario edwards hey let me just go back to the huddle right now let me let me not you know do this extra stuff because they're calling it right we're seeing we're seeing trends and the thing is you know the bears in general i can just tell right now as a team through the coaching they don't seem like a very disciplined team you know because penalties that's especially last game 12 penalties that's that's way too many Crazy. you cannot you cannot win games in in this league and they almost won you know <laughs> it got to a point where you know but uh you cannot win games in this league being that highly penalized and on a weekly basis like it's not like just oh this was this was a rare thing they are they are the more penalized team usually every week so it's it comes down to the coaching staff they got to put an emphasis on it you know and it comes to a point where you're like hey listen, if, if, if you're not going to, if you're going to have all these penalties, you're going to hurt us right in the long. So, so maybe it, maybe it's lighting some fire under them. You know, I know they're all pros. We're all pros, but Hey, maybe not giving you know, certain people as much, you know, playing time on the defensive side. If, if things keep popping up where you're hurting, you know, a guy like Mario Edwards or something like that, like, Hey, let's, let's give him less reps. If he's, if he's not gonna, you know, follow these rules and, and the trends that are going on. So, yeah, I think, They have to clean it up, and and I think this is the reason why the record is the way it is. You know, it's not by accident, Um, you know, and when I look at defense, right, you look at, you know, in in the prior year, especially when Vic Fangio was there, he stressed the importance of discipline, gap assignment, and every week we see, you know, breakdown in the gaps. And, you know, this guy's supposed to spill, and he doesn't. You know, he stays outside and tight joints it. And then there's a touchdown run with Najee Harris. Things like that just continue to add up. So it just tells me that they're not a very disciplined ball club, and they haven't done anything to correct it.
0: Yeah, and look, we're not trying to – especially with last night. Like, I hate, I hate crying penalties, but, uh, you know, you start to kind of go to the source of it a little bit, and where is it coming from? And, yeah, what do we keep seeing over and over again? Personal fouls offsides or neutral zone stuff and illegal men downfield on offense. I think we've seen all that. the time. What? So Corey, can you explain that to me? What is yeah. that about? Is that is that yeah. offensive line discipline? Is that just not being in sync with the way a play develops? What is that?
1: Yeah, I, I think it's it's sometimes because they have different options, right? It may be a, a designed uh what they think is a run play. And Justin Fields puts his own flair on it. So then, they're, the you know, these offensive linemen are down the field. Could be a miscommunication maybe. You know, on the road, he's trying to relay the play to them. And he he thinks it's this. They think it's this. So it's this kind of miscommunication. And you remember I told you about the crowd noise, how that plays such a huge well, factor, right? Loud last night, man. So, yeah, you know, my host, uh, Gabe Ramirez, he was at the game uh, in Pittsburgh at Heinz Field. And he said that place was rocking. He put some Instagram videos, terrible towels. I mean, it's a tough place to play. We talked about how Justin Fields really struggles on the road, getting those checks, this, that and the other. So that's why you see a lot of these penalties. I think they're just not on the same page. And Justin Fields is different than Andy Dalton, right? He can he can make uh, (laughs) something out of nothing. So, you know, maybe design run that kind of, you know, falls apart. You know he can possibly boot it and look down the field for a pass option. So I think they just need to get on the same page and let these you know uh, offensive linemen know that hey, there, there's a chance that he could you know do a pass here. And and if they could do that, we won't see as many down the field because it's it's been it's been too much, ever since Justin Fields has been the starter and played. There's been too many of those illegal man downfields and it's it's every week. So they just need to get back to the basics and fundamentals. They have to know their job like the back of their hand. Everybody, they got to be in sync with Justin Fields. Justin Fields has to be in sync with the O line, and I think people really sleep on the importance of him not having these off-season reps with the ones, you know. And and it, it's, it's we're seeing it gotten yeah. better. Yeah, it's gotten better every game. You know, I think these past two games keeps in balance, right? But there's still a lot of, of stuff that happens in the off season that Justin Fields just didn't get, you know, Andy Dalton had all those reps. So we're kind of seeing them, you know, feel off each other in gel. and it's, it sucks. It has to be on the fly. You know, if, if all things, I mean, Justin Fields should have been the starter from day one and we should have had all these prep and everything, but it didn't work out that way. So things are on the fly, but the one good thing is, I mean, he's, he continues to get better. And, and honestly, without that pick, I mean, and you really can't blame that. I mean, Cam Hayward. I mean, he, he's you got to give it up the league in bat down, yeah. bat down passes. You know, he's he's an absolute force in there. One of the most underrated. We were talking with Ike and Mark. Uh, one of the most underrated D tackles in the game. I mean, that's that's just that's just one of those lucky plays where he puts his hands up. He got it. Great play by him. But that's not on Justin Fields. I mean, you know, it, it comes down as a pick. But in, in my opinion, it wasn't a terrible throw. It wasn't something you know where he just threw it up through a prayer. Um, you know, he. He continues to get better and you know like you said about putting that that uh safety belt on that seat belt um you know he's he's looking pretty dang good um you know i think the past two weeks it's it gives me a lot of confidence in in him and i think i think the whole world is seeing that you know um in chicago uh justin fields is is that dude he's going to be that franchise dude and it's really fun to see him develop in such a short period of time
0: well, uh, yeah, and a, and a couple things. Well, the first one is I think, I think we're gonna see it's 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 almost a small thing, but I think if we're able to somehow clean up those situations where again in that first half, how many times were we second and twenty one? How many yeah. times were we second and twelve and thirteen? I don't even care if you're a rookie or maybe an eight or nine year veteran. Those down in distances are just gonna be problems for any quarterback under there. Once we kind of got out of that a little bit in that second half, Justin Fields, two hundred twenty eight passing yards. He was nine to 16 on passes beyond 10 yards. He was averaging what I think he was averaging something like 12 air yards per attempt. He had 45 rush yards and yeah, Corey, man, let's really start to dive into this, right? Because Hmm? let's just kind of take it back. Like to week one, we saw Andy Dalton and we said, this is kind of a waste of our time. Uh, He got in against you know, week two against Justin Fields. And we saw some of those raw kind of moments. And, and Corey, man, you were kind of on it early, where you were like, you know, man, this breakout performance, it's coming. It's coming. Well, you know, a few game plans, you know, a few tough moments, and maybe, you know, maybe a couple of rough starts by Justin Fields later. Yeah, man, we're now two weeks into, I think, the first actual real glimpse of what this guy can be in this NFL and all the stuff that we've kind of thought and seen and the mental makeup and all the physical skills are starting to come together. So just talk about, man, like, the decisiveness dude Like i in my head when i'm watching him one two not there tuck it and go you said that a couple yeah, weeks ago exactly. and he is doing that now to great success all of a sudden now he is getting around the edge right there aren't a lot of like all of a sudden d lineman can't catch him which we thought exactly. was, was going to happen which was starting to happen when he first came out it's all really starting to build on itself and i know that it really it's a really tough loss last night but these are kind of those moments that I think bears fans knew what were, was going to happen was a loss, but Justin Fields looks great. So how do you, how do you pick and parcel with that? Right? So, I mean, let's just dive into Justin Fields yeah. what you saw just in this last game. And I don't know, man, maybe on that road with that seatbelt. Maybe we're going to enter one of those open fields for a little bit and maybe he's, I think he's sort of coming together. I, I, I see consistency possibly in our future.
1: You know what I see, um, you know, what really scared me about this game, I talked about it was was the crowd noise, right, and, and playing against T.J. Watt. And T.J. Watt had three sacks. So, you know, it is what it is. Um, you know, but I didn't think it was a game where the Pittsburgh Steelers completely dominated them. I, I didn't think it was that. But I, what I love from Justin Fields is his confidence. You know, I feel like if he would have got sacked three times by the same person in weeks prior, it would have gotten his head. And, you know, he would have been a little skittish in the pocket and things of that nature. But you didn't see that. You saw the decisiveness. You saw him, you know, sticking with one, two, and then tuck it and go. And and that's what I love because it's such a different element. You know, when you have that, it's a nightmare for defensive coordinators. And, you know, Ike Ike Taylor had talked about, well, you know, they have a lot of experience with, you know, uh, know, uh, from the Ravens, uh, Lamar Jackson. Mm -hmm. Yeah, going against him twice a year. But I mean, Justin Fields, you know, is a way better passer. I mean, nothing to take away from Lamar Jackson, but you know what I know it. everybody out there, Justin Fields is a pure passer that can run like Lamar Jackson, if not better at times. So it's unbelievable to see such a young guy um, come along because think about, you know, when we saw some of these losses, um, we were like, oh my gosh, like panic mode, right? But then seeing him bounce back, you know, last week and then this past week, uh, it's impressive. And I think... If he can continue to do that, the one-two, tuck it in and go, and just really feel comfortable in the pocket. And what I love now is is the fact that he's utilizing the tight end position, right? Because I think that's that's such a different element. You look at how Big Ben is really comfortable with his tight end, um, and then every other quarterback out there, it seems like. You know once you have that good tight end connection, it makes everything that much easier because you don't have to force anything on the edge, right? You have the zone beaters across the middle, you got a sure target. Um, you know, an instant first down at times. You know, Jimmy Graham was in there, Cole Komet. Um, I just I just love the mixing and matching, and I thought this was his most balanced passing performance. You know, look at look at the targets on there. You know, he had Allen Robinson, Darnell Mooney, Cole Komet. Goodwin had that that nice 50 yard bomb. Yeah. Yeah. And, and that's the situation where maybe if you would have hit him a step earlier, you know, that he could, he could have been running that could have been possibly a touchdown, but Hey, it's still great to see these long passes because for the bears, what has been the talk of them the past, you know, since Jay Cutler has been there, oh, we can't do the long ball Mitch. And then, you know, Nick Foles and Andy Dalton, nothing above 10 yards. What we're seeing is stretching the field, right, which is great because not only now do we have a a guy that can tuck it and run when we need to, he can stand in the pocket, you know, see the pressure in there and complete an absolute strike to guys down the field. And, you know, what we saw was Mooney as his favorite target, you know, and and this, I loved it because he wasn't locking in on anybody like we've seen in prior weeks. He was kind of taking it as it comes. What is the defense giving me, right? And that's huge progress, Joey. Because you know, in the weeks prior, he was like, "Okay, this is my read, and this is what I'm gonna do." What I saw was the right thing. Okay, do the right thing. Yep, exactly. Now he's looking at there. It's not there. Okay, what's right there? Okay, that's there. Boom. And if it's not there, tuck it and go. Love that. Love that progression. And as you see, you know, time go on, especially on the road. That's what I love. Because in the in the weeks prior, you know, the Browns game, some of these bad losses, Tampa Bay, we saw him look frantic at times. And in this place, Pittsburgh, one of the hardest places to play, in my opinion, for for an opposing quarterback, he looked very comfortable. And that's what I love to see. You know, after the interception happened, you know, he wiped it off. And the second half, when the game was on the line, when we needed scores, he stepped up big. I I love what I saw. Like, for you, do do you notice the confidence? Like, I know for me, like, just seeing it, do do you notice that confidence with him?
0: Yeah, absolutely. So, I mean, the demeanor hasn't really changed for me, even when he walks off the field. I don't know. It's the, the one of those body language things. So in that Browns game, you know, I was just kind of waiting for him. Like, please don't cry in your first You know what I mean? <laughs> because, you know, it was just really bad. Of course he wasn't going to do that. I'm totally being yeah. like, you know, tongue in cheek about that. But yeah, no, there's just, there's something about what he's going through right now, which I hope continues is I always felt like, and I hate to bring it back when I, I felt like with Mitch was Mitch was a people pleaser. Um, and you know what, he wanted to do it not just for his teammates, but for his coach, for his mom watching home, and every single Bears fan out there, and look, that's a cool thing to have inside of your heart, but I don't know if that necessarily leads to successful football. With Justin Fields, I think he was starting to do that, you know, run the right play, play within the system, you know, we we just went over this in tape, so make sure, you know, wait for this this play to develop, and this second layer, all this other stuff, but now I think He's getting comfortable enough where he knows the plays. He's got the cadence down. He, I think he knows like you know what his offensive line is and is not going to do a little bit more on a week-to-week basis. And I think he's just playing a little bit more on feel. And I think he goes, you know, the decisions that I make are going to be best for the football team. And that's kind of what I'm seeing right now. And, man, we saw some great throws last night. I want to throw it back at you. You know, a lot to choose from. For a former NFL player, which, which throw do you really sticks out of, like, you know this guy. This guy is starting to come. Like this, this confidence is starting to happen. Was it the Darnell Mooney throw? Was it that needle uh, seam thing to Jimmy Graham? Some of the connections to commit yeah. the teardrop, yeah. Alan Robinson. If yeah. you could pick one, what was it that meant? Oh man, we might have a dude.
1: So, so what really stands out to me, and and talk about tight windows, right? When when I looked at the tight end position, right, the one to Jimmy Graham, where he completely threaded the needle, and some of them to Cole Komet, where he was double covered, and he's like, "Listen, I'm gonna put it through this window. I'm gonna throw an absolute bullet." Yeah. And he was and, avoiding and, and he, those. He he has exactly. been
0: avoiding those, and he started doing those
1: exactly because he has a different type of arm strength that not everybody has in this league, right? Andy Dalton doesn't have that. Nick Foles doesn't have that. Some guys do not have that, right? And to to see him you know put it in such a tight window and say this he's covered but no no I'm I'm going to make him open and throw it right on right on the money and, and and kudos to Cole Komet. I mean this was one of his best games in my opinion I mean cuz we had been waiting right last year we didn't see much from early on in the season not as many targets and then slowly we see him and Justin Fields you know building building that connection on there and it's going to be amazing because like I said every great team out there has a great QB tight end connection, right? And then you look at once this gets what we need is a little bit more in the red zone with them because I think I think it's going to be an X factor, right, in the, in the red zone because you you look at this game and you know two field goals in the red zone. If, if we could potentially you know get get some targets to Cole in the, Komet in in the red zone, I think that's a difference maker. You know you look at Ben Roethlisberger, him targeting his tight end twice in the red zone. And it, it's just such a it's such a tough matchup because you got a guy six five and Cole Komet that's two sixty five two seventy strong can use his body now he's comfortable with his hands right that was kind of the knock on him he's mm-hmm. catching the ball so I want to see that in the red zone really open that up because I think that would be a security blanket and that's the situation where like hey in the red zone let's target Cole Komet. hey Jimmy Graham we know what he's been able to do you know a couple of years ago he had a lot of tight ends in the red a lot of touchdowns in the red zone. So I think that's going to be an X factor going forward if we want to have success, right? Replacing some of these field goals with touchdowns. And I think it starts with the tight end position.
0: Man, that's such a great call because I was just thinking inside my head, you know, if if a person walked up to me that hadn't watched bears football season and they went, you know, Hey Corey, Hey Joey, when the bears get in the red zone, who do they like to throw to? We'd go "Uh," like, we don't know. We really don't know. Right. I mean, uh, Darnell Mooney aside, he had a great game last night and made a great catch in the fourth quarter. That's awesome. But in terms of, In those moments, I don't know if Darnell Mooney is exactly the guy you want to consistently scheme up. You need physicality. You need size in the red zone, right? So yeah, is it Cole Comet? Is it Allen Robinson? Is it something else? And obviously they love doing that kind of little gadget play. But yeah, that's going to be really huge. Who is that guy? And can that player know in that moment that we're going to be depending upon you when we get in the red zone for some targets? You better be ready. This isn't just when your number gets called. These are the guys that we're going to be looking for. And that's going to be an interesting thing to move over in the next couple of weeks. I want to get your take on, um, you know, what you thought, what you thought from David Montgomery. Um, I have, I, I, I have a couple of different thoughts. Like my first one obviously is I want to get your thought on the wildcat, which yeah. we actually ran with success. Now that David Montgomery is back in, it definitely helped them out a whole lot. It felt like yeah. Justin fields enjoyed having Montgomery in the backfield, you know, maybe a rookie running back on a pass protection play, Yeah. you know, maybe it's a little bit, maybe is something that had him a little bit, uh, you know, skittish in the past couple of weeks. Uh, but you know, Montgomery not flashy, but it looked like he played pretty solid. He looked pretty good.
1: Exactly. He had a great burst. So so what I see is you know, he looks fully recovered from the knee injury. Yes. And uh, you know, I think I think Khalil Herbert playing the way he was maybe accelerated this comeback because Khalil Herbert was playing lights out. I mean, honestly, you know, and you know, uh it, it really accelerates people that like, oh, okay. Yeah, listen, people are talking good things about Khalil. Her- Let me get back on this field and show him who David Montgomery is. All right. I love it. You saw some burst in there early on and, and just his power. I mean, he has a different level of power. Um, You know, in my opinion, very similar to a guy like Marshawn Lynch, like center of gravity, super strong, lower body, upper body, the the whole bit. But David Montgomery looks extremely quick. I I feel like over the, over the years, since he's been here, he looks quicker in in my opinion. And uh, it's great to have him back because I think he is a factor in there. And i think justin fields feels very comfortable handing the ball off you know obviously we want to get them more than 13 carries out there but averaging almost five yards a pop i mean that's pretty good and then you, you throw in some of those wildcats where again darnell mooney's having some long runs and then it sets to up things and then we're able to get a touchdown so i think it just provides a different element you know as defenses are worried okay let's worry about Justin Fields. Okay. And then you have David Montgomery back there. Then you have Darnell Mooney and they're worried about what they're going to do, you know, with two running backs there as well. So it's just a different element that kind of gets in the defense's head and we're able to get a touchdown of it. So hopefully we can continue to get the running game. Cause I think this has been one of our lowest running game performances, I think, but you know, all things aside, I I liked, you know, the yards for carry a little more, little, little more carries out there, but um, you know, it was great to have David Montgomery back. And I think, Going forward, we're going to have to mix and match this this run and pass.
0: No, you're right. They only picked up, I think, 136 on the ground, which is Mm -hmm. still pretty decent by NFL standards. But we've been over 150 consistently the last three weeks. So it did come back a little bit. But, you know, I I do find it interesting. And, you know, we do have to give a little bit of credit to Bill Lazor and the coaching staff because we like to criticize them about game plan all the time. But so far, when they've brought up those wildcat calls, for the most part, they worked last night, right? That's Khalil yeah. Herberg had his best run. I think it was like eight or nine yards up the gut. Yeah. The Darnell Mooney, 15-yarder. And Montgomery has been making really smart decisions with the football when he exactly gets tight to him. So I'll be honest with you, I, I'm, I'm into it. I'm not saying give me more, give me more. But again, this bears offense. We can't forget this, that this Pittsburgh Steelers, legit defense. San Francisco mm-hmm. 49ers, in my opinion, also a legit defense. Against the Steelers last night, 414 total yards that's a lot for Chicago bears territory, right? Justin Fields now 300, uh, 300 plus all purpose yards his last two games. That is not something to wag your finger at. And look, I know we're three and six, but we're going to go on by, we come back and we play the Ryan, the Ravens and the lions. And in my opinion, those are two defenses that are very beatable. So I think now this is about, you know, we, we're going to talk a little bit about wins and losses towards the end of the pod. But, um, you know, after the bye now, they can get their bodies right, come back, hopefully get a little bit healthier, especially on the defensive end, and maybe come back and really start to, dare I say, build something offensively. I mean, mm. the, the window is kind of open there right now, and I think Justin Fields is getting to the point now where he's comfortable and we're starting to see that confidence where I think this could happen.
1: Exactly, yeah. I, I love what I see, and and I, I look at this season right now at the point, right, where, where it's kind of like at that point where, like, most fans – uh, you and me, probably included, we're like, "Hey, I, I don't know about playoffs this year. We, we we really don't know. You know, obviously there's there's a chance, and you can never say never. But the way the season is going right now, looks like that might not be a possibility, right? You know, just with the way they've been playing, the lack of consistency in certain areas. But what I do know is is offensively with Justin Fields, we see progress, and not only are Bears fans noticing, but the whole world you know, football fans all across, they're seeing like, okay, this is why Chicago drafted him, you know, look, looking at different, you know, comments and videos we're saying, wow, Chicago finally has their QB. And think about it. He hasn't even touched his full potential yet. This is, this is a sample size, Joey. Oh no, okay? yeah,
0: this was not a consistent like full four yeah. quarter effort. Right. And he, yeah. by the way, real quick, just to um, I'll throw this out there, uh, PFF just released their grades, highest graded quarterback in week nine, Justin Fields.
1: Exactly. And, and, and this, this was, this was an, an okay performance, right? Like I, he had times where you're like, Oh my goodness. But think, think of what could, what it could be if he starts that from the beginning, right? A consistent four quarter performance. We may be talking 400 something yards, Joey. I mean, he looked impressive out there. Yeah, 17 I
0: mean, completions, 291 yards. Typically in the NFL, you get to that 25 to 30 area. Just do the math, people. That's 400 it, yards. It, yeah, it,
1: Exactly. So so I think, you know, people have to realize this is just a sample size, right? And, and we haven't even fully unlocked the offensive potential, right? Because right now what I talked about is dumbing it down, right? Bill Lazor, you know, Matt Nagy, they're kind of like, okay, listen, this is where we struggle, right? Justin Fields was holding the ball too long. He was getting sacked. Um, you know, he wasn't able to feel comfortable in it. Okay, how do we get him comfortable? Okay, he's comfortable running, right? So let's look, one, the first read, second read, tuck it and go, right? And when it's not there, that, that's a game changer, right? Because every defense is like, oh my gosh, you see how fast this dude is, right? And then, okay, you know, we got to worry about him running. And then what, what is he going to do? He's going to drop back, you know, st- step up and throw an absolute bullet in there that we have to defend, right? It's that, hard to pick, you know? Um, so I, I think it's it's home. I, I'm just really excited about it because I, I don't even think he's scratched the surface of his potential. That's that's saying something. I, and I think, you know, people are, are seeing the progress, but it's not even close. And I think as the season goes on and he becomes more comfortable, watch out. And, you know, going forward, he is he is the Bears future quarterback, the franchise guy that we like to keep for 12 to 20 years, possibly you know, depending on health and this, that, and the other. But Chicago finally has a franchise quarterback that is a dude in all facets, right? Not just the guy that can run the ball and pass it occasionally. No, he can pass the ball down the field, right? Mm-hmm. And that's something that we've been missing for a while, <laughs> you know, and, 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 and it's great to see. <laughs> it, it feels it feels great, man, because, um, you know, I think people, people sleep on how – How rare that is to have a guy that can be that fast and then still, you know, be an amazing passer with a cannon of an arm. I mean, cannon. You know, you just you just don't see, you don't see that, right? You know, you look, you look at some of the quarterbacks out there, right? Like we said, Lamar Jackson, right? Very good runner, passing sometimes, very mediocre, right? He doesn't have these same throws like Justin Fields, where you're like, wow, you know, and that's the guy that won an MVP. So think about it. He is Lamar Jackson on steroids in my opinion you know he is unbelievable he has he has he has, an, he has an arm like Aaron Rodgers but he can run like Michael Vick
0: yeah and he's twice the size of Kyler Murray
1: another exactly I'm, exactly
0: <laughs> no shade of Kyler Murray but I mean you know yeah just, St. Justin Fields is big is what is kind Exa-
1: of exactly but but the point I'm making is that that he's just a combination of all the right things and w- what we see is is progress right and and this is a Bears team that's trying to figure things out game planning scheme wise the coaching has kind of been in disarray um but I just I just love what I see from him, and, and it just makes me very excited for the future so in my in my head right now I'm like hey whatever happens this season I'm 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 almost really not worried about it because I'm like as, as long as we can get progress with him you know and, and some of the young guys offensively, that's that's what I'm really focused on. Because I know, you know, next year, they're going to beef up the O-line for sure. You know, uh, Tevin Jenkins is eventually going to be back. Uh, they're probably going to get another tackle. Um, we know that, right? So it, it just makes me very excited. Then they're going to continue to add weapons for them, And I'm, I, it just makes me very excited, man. So, so Bears fans, regardless of how you feel, and I know the season hasn't gone the way we want to, but I think you can rest assured that that Justin Fields is progressing the way we want him to. And it hasn't been pretty at times, but we see progress and we see things to to, to make everyone very excited about the future.
0: Yeah, very well said. And, you know, in terms of this, we're at this point in the season, right? I think maybe a lot of Bears fans in the back of their head knew that, you know, we, every every Sunday you want to hope that the Bears win and you're always going to root for them to win. But we were always kind of worried that this was a situation of the Bears are going to lose. We hope to God Justin Fields looks good and kind of sort of manage that as we move along. Now, I think the coaching staff is still in a lot of trouble. I don't know exactly how they turn that around. And look, you know, at 3-6, and it's really daunting, right? You got to go 6-2 and the rest of the way. Um, And you still have the Ravens, the Packers, the Vikings twice, the Seahawks, and the Cardinals still on the schedule. So, you know what I mean? So, honestly, these next three games, you know, the Ravens at home, Detroit on Thanksgiving, the Cardinals at home December 5th, you kind of need to win all those three. Uh, you know, yeah. I'm just putting that out there if you want to actually be in the playoff yeah. picture. But in terms of Justin Fields, you know, I think we, obviously on field we want consistency. We want to see him continue to like you know build upon these habits and these instincts that he's growing in the mm-hmm. NFL realm. In your opinion, how important would it be for you to see Justin Fields pick up a signature win against one of those teams? Does that mean a lot yeah. to you, mean a little bit to you? or That can also go a long way.
1: You know, I think a signature win is huge, and I think if they can if they can pull a win, I I honestly think the Ravens game I think that's a very winnable game, right? I agree. But that, that would be considered a signature win in my mind. I don't think so. I think the Detroit game that's a win. Got to take know, care of it. That's a win. Five and six. Arizona. That's the difference maker. And and and, and what I think though, honestly, and and, and I'm gonna make a cra- crazy prediction, that my people say I'm crazy, right? I might because agree you look, with you. you. You you look at you look at what these what these two quarterbacks are, right? Kyler Murray, you know, Justin Fields. And I think Justin Fields, he's a competitor, right? And he's saying, oh, yeah, Kyler Murray can run. He can pass the ball this. And they say, saying, no, I can do it better. Mm-hmm. And I'm telling you, I think he's going to have his breakout game against the Cardinals. Like, where we're like, whoa. Like, where, where he really goes Three scores. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. And I think everything's going to come together because, you know, what I see is progress, right? At, at Heinz Field being able to have one of his best performances with the crowd noise. And that just lets me know he's becoming comfortable with with the silent count and relaying everything to the offensive linemen, you know, the receivers, the running backs. I see progress there. And I think he's just going to continue to get better. And I I think this game, you know, it's going to be like a thing where, you know, they always comparing this person, that person. He's like, okay, Kyler Murray, Justin Fields. That's going to be the whole talk that week. And I think he's going to have that signature performance because he's a competitor. You know, when, when he's had bad games, he's bounced back. And that's been since his high school days, you know, how state he plays bad against Northwestern. Then he comes back against Clemson and, and goes goes toe to toe with Trevor Lawrence outplaying him. So when when he has a thing like that, they're saying, Oh, these are the two quarterbacks, Trevor Lawrence, Justin Fields, who's going to do better. Justin Fields outplayed him, right? He likes to prove himself. And I think this is a game where he's like, Hey, Kyler Murray, there's a lot of buzz about him. People say he's that dude. I'm that dude too. All right, y'all gonna see.
0: Yeah, and and down the road too. I mean, one when you look at it, Arizona in December in the Chicago cold. I like that as a matchup. Also, to look, I think Arizona is a great. I think they're one of the better teams in the NFL. Maybe they're the class of the NFC right now, but they're not gonna go 15 and two. Okay, it's just not gonna happen. They are gonna lose some games eventually. Chase Edmonds is out for multiple weeks. Kyler's been a little banged up. Obviously, he didn't play this last week. In DeAndre Hopkins. Let's just kind of see where they're at in three weeks. And again, Bears fans, I will just throw, I'm going to throw this one out there. Just keep in mind, I know we're three and six, mm-hmm. and we're not going to the playoffs, and everything sucks. But, and this isn't a linear path, but if we continue to have these Justin Fields performances, and dare I say we're just scratching the surface of that, when you have a quarterback in the NFL, guess what? You can win every week. Uh, we haven't had that. We haven't had that. Yeah. So, you know, I, I as much as I want to bury and get out the shovel and start tossing dirt on this bear season, I'm not exactly ready to do that just mm-hmm. yet. They're going to go on by. They're going to get healthier. Got to get Khalil Mack healthy. Got to get Eddie Jackson healthy. You know what I mean? Yeah. Get, I'll get all those dudes ready to roll, and then we'll kind of see how it sort of shakes out moving forward. We got to transition to the defense just real quick. Yeah. Um, You know, I started talking about it a couple weeks ago about this defense just kind of. Not, of course, in the here and now kind of scaring me because the schedule's Mm. been tough, but just in the future, just in general, I want to start here where the Pittsburgh Steelers seem to do a really nice job of using end-arounds and jet sweeps and other kinds of things to kind of break. And what Brian Greasy said on the telecast, stress gap discipline last night. Can you talk a little bit about that? Was that, obviously, that was a game plan uh, meant to kind of break the Bears. Is that because they've been having problems with gap discipline or that just kind of tried to, Take away maybe one of their strengths.
1: Yeah, I think that's been the theme that I've talked about all year, the lack of gap discipline, like something that we've seen under Vic Fangio that was very good. And then as the years have gone on, Chuck Pagano, Sean Desai, it's gotten worse. Right. And, um, you know, what they try to do with, with those end arounds, you know, motion here and there. They try they try to trick you right get you off your job and, and remember I talked about the tight uh defensive end most of the time he has to spill it right but if he if he gets influenced by the end around that fake end around then his his eyes are there and they're able to run like the Najee Harris touchdown you know that's something that just just that you know influence at the end he doesn't crash down the way he needs to he doesn't spill it to the linebacker right and then there's a big open gap so that's that's what that was their plan, because they're like, listen, Chicago is not a very disciplined team when it comes to the running game. And we're going to try to attack that. Right. Because I think Pittsburgh knows that they're not the offense they used to be with Big Ben. They, they oh, and sure. they
0: they don't run that often. That, that, exactly. was, a, that was a specific thing to play against. Exactly. Yeah,
1: exactly. So they thought like this. Listen, the only way we're going to beat Chicago is if we exploit their deficiencies in the run game. And that's exactly what they did. Right. The numbers weren't crazy that Pittsburgh did rushing wise, but when they needed to score, when they needed yards, they were able to do it. And and that's, that's something that's very surprising just because of the history of the Chicago Bears defense. Right. Run rush defense has always been there. Right. What does it do? It sets up the pass defense. Right. With the, with the sacks, with the uh, turnovers, the blitzes, things of that nature. We just don't see that. Why? Because they cannot stop the run. Right. And there's a correlation to teams that can stop the run, pin their ears back, dial up blitzes, you know, getting turnovers, things of that nature, and helping a young quarterback. We just haven't seen that, right? If we would have had the same defense in 2018, right now, oh my gosh, it would be night Corey, and day. Isn't
0: that a part of the problem, though, where, like, look, it's just Akeem Hicks and guys like Eddie Goldman. Akeem Hicks, when he's healthy, when he's right, right, still a mm-hmm. difference maker, but he isn't always healthy and right. Are we still kind of unfortunately sort of kind of crossing our fingers and hoping that these guys can suit up and get out there. I saw Hickson was in and out of the game a whole lot. It's just kind of one of those things where unfortunately really good player had some great years for us, but now it's just something we're going to have to maybe eventually move on from those guys. Cause I don't know if we can depend on them and on a week to week basis.
1: Yeah, I, I think it's a situation where you, where you look at the numbers and what he wants and um, you know what he's asking for, because I think I, what I do know is when he's out there and he's healthy, um, he's a factor I mean yes. he he is the engine that runs that defense he's the vocal leader he sparks everything um, look at what he did for Khalil Mack and, and Khalil Mack is, is is an absolute beast whether Akeem Hicks is there or not but um, Khalil Mack didn't have a, a defensive end like Robert Quinn opposite him for years right mm-hmm. but what happened was a guy like Akeem Hicks the, the influence he has inside, you know, pushing the pocket, taking on two defenders, it really allowed Khalil Mack to, to really have some one-on-ones in there, and you know, the thing is, quarterback couldn't step up, so what do they do? Go to the outside, Khalil Mack's there, but Akeem Hicks, he can rush the passer, he can pu- push the pocket, the vocal leader, the engine that runs that team, the heartbeat of a defense, so I think it'd be hard to go you know, without him, and, and, and I'm not saying this is comparable, but You know, it's like the one year 2012 when we had Brian Urlacher and then the next year, 2013, he didn't have him, and the defense fell apart. You know, I'm not saying, you know, Khalil um, Akeem Hicks is Brian Urlacher, but there is a similar type of impact, you know, and and I think you you want leaders in there and you just have to do what what makes sense financially. And I, I hope it can work out because when he is healthy and he hasn't had any debilitating injuries where you're like, okay, he has a bad knee, he has a bad back. Um, it's kind of been a groin and, and that's kind pop of popped the
0: elbow out that one yeah, yeah, the free a freakish popped elbow it, Exactly.
1: Of. But it hasn't been anything that, that causes concern, you know, like a like a Todd Gurley type of uh knee, you know, degenerative knee or something like that. So I'm hoping they can work things out because when he's on the field, it, it's it's a different story in there. And especially when he's healthy. I don't think he's been healthy, you know, very much this season, with the exception of the first few games. Um, but I'm hoping they can have him back um because I love what he can do out there and I think a guy like him and cam Hayward, they're two of the under most underrated D tackles in the game. In my opinion.
0: Yeah. I I hear you, man. I hear, I hear all that. It's just, yeah, he wants, you know, he's making 10 million this year. I don't know if he's going to be able to get a, a raise in the uh, open market. It'd be great if he came back for a little bit smaller That I think it's just, my thing is he can still be elite, but we can't depend upon if, if it's a scale of a hundred and we want a hundred percent of Akeem Hicks. Yeah. I just think bringing him back next year and maybe planning on some depth and trying to get 70, out of Akeem okay. Hicks, keep him healthy. Maybe keep the snap count down. You can't predict injuries; it's just it's exactly. impossible. But I think we de- we're depending on a guy a little bit too much, whose availability is becoming more and more questionable. It's not a matter of ability or talent for me. It's just mm-hmm. every time that he misses a game, we fall apart. <laughs> so it's exactly. just it's just man, like we either got to come up with a better backup plan or just mm-hmm. stop leaning so much on Akeem Hicks all the time because we just don't know whether he's going to be available or not. Yep. Um, I I do want to ask you this other one because this is where the rubber meets the road with me. I'm watching this with my eyes uh, that are limited in terms of NFL analytic experience. You have way more than me. I want to get your opinion on Kendall Vildor. Now, there's one of two things happening, right? One is Jalen Johnson's really good. So what's the opposing team going to do? They're going to try and target the guy who isn't Jalen Johnson. Mm -hmm. That makes a ton of sense. And there's a part of me that thinks... Kendall Vildor is getting a ton of reps right now, right? He's getting experience and I'm a huge baseball guy and I believe that there is a lot of value and you'll see those guys, those starters who have ERAs over six one season, but they keep throwing them out every fifth day Just say, man, get your innings, get your innings, get your head kicked in, get your head kicked in. And then they come back and all those reps, all those experiences make them a better player, better pitcher and it clicks. Where are you on Kindle, Kindle Vildor right now? Are you seeing a guy who's getting valued valuable experience? Are you seeing a guy that just is maybe struggling to stand up to the yeah. test on a mm-hmm. week-to-week basis? What are you yeah. seeing from him? Because we see 22 a lot on yeah. the end of plays uh, recently in the last couple weeks for
1: sure yeah I, I think it's great that he's getting experience um the only thing that worries me is, is sometimes it doesn't seem like the best experience and what i mean is mm-hmm. it seems like like you said he's being targeted and the thing is with cornerbacks right they are a lot like receivers right the ego confidence that all goes hand in hand right and if you're a guy that's, that's getting torched some they're targeting you and you're not doing well that doesn't do that doesn't bode well for your self-confidence right so I would like Sean to decide it. maybe give him some more help over the top, right. In, in his, just, just so they can lock down that because it just seems week in and week out they're targeting him. They're going at him. And it's, it's going to be a thing where, you know, it's just, it's going to be okay. This is the weak spot. Let's attack him all day, every day. You know, the, the, there's the weak spot. Need so, that field goal. Deontay
0: Johnson on Kindleville or you know,
1: ex- exactly. So, so we have to do something there and, and it is what it is this season and he's playing a lot. Um, but I think, you know, going forward, we, we, we got to look at some other options, you know, possibly next season and, and see what we can do. Um, you know, I think I think this is a tough situation, uh, everything with, with the defense, because I thought that the the pass rush would be more efficient than it is. Right. The numbers say a certain thing, but actual game during the game doesn't say that. Right. In critical situations where, you know, we need to get a sack pressure, get the ball out quick doesn't happen right we're not generating that pressure you know Robert Quinn has had a great season sack wise um but you know third and medium to longs we're not getting off the field uh quarterbacks are holding the ball too long so I think if 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 we're able to generate more pressure and that starts with Desai he needs to you know look in the mirror and say listen we're not generating enough pressure when we need to our sack numbers look good on paper but when it's critical situation we need to get off the field we need to dial it up and I think I think that's the key to helping a guy like Kendall Vildor is to, to generate more pressure, right, because everything is that much easier. And we talked to Ike Taylor about it. Isn't it so much easier when you have a, a front four, front seven that's generating pressure and makes your job that much? Oh, 100 percent. You know, some of the best teams that, that he was on when they won Super Bowls and, you know, making runs every year, you know, they dialed up that blitz. And really put pressure on opposing quarterbacks, right? It makes the ball come out quick. They get nervous. They throw the ball. I look at Matthew Stafford this past, you know, he threw two picks in the game, you know, to the Titans. I mean, because because of pressure in his face, you know, pressure cripples people. And I think that's what we need more of. And I think it would make the, the back ends job that much easier if we can get more pressure.
0: Yeah, and to be fair, obviously the Bears had to make a decision on, you know, cutting Kyle Fuller and his $13 million because mm-hmm. they mismanaged their cap, and then they signed Desmond Trufant, who didn't make it through training camp, and they signed Trey Roberson, what was it, a year or two ago, yep. who immediately got hurt and he didn't make it on the field. So it's not like Kendall Voldor is, is some sort of being an, an, the anointed other cornerback. He's kind of in that position where he has to pick up reps. And, yeah, I'm just trying to figure it out where I don't want to, I don't want to be the guy that says he sucks. I just know that he's – he looks like he's on an island sometimes, right? Like and I know yeah. that opponents are like, hey, Jalen Johnson is is a dude. Like mm-hmm. he's physical, he gets his hands uh, in everything. You know, I thought that pass interference was kind of another BS call after yeah, that. That uh, was, that was ridiculous.
1: They're, they're, they're you both, don't turn your head around both, like
0: yeah, what are we doing? Um and I just feel like they're yeah. they're picking on Kendo Vildor over and over again. And I'm just hoping that maybe these reps and experience give him something else to build on. But maybe to your point. You know, again, the defensive unit needs to make his job a little bit easier. And that's how he can have success. And that's how the Bears can have success. Because the defense is obviously still going in the wrong direction. Uh, injuries at the wrong places. Mm-hmm. And we've spent so much time talking about the offense, but really it's this defense moving forward that I'm looking at in the next season or two that really kind of has me going, Man, we got we might have some work to do. You know what I mean? Yeah, we
1: have- I, I think for sure. Um, yeah. yeah, I think there's definitely some work. I think it's more about depth in my opinion. I think I think what the key is, and and just just from playing in this league and seeing the teams that, that do really well, and 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 get consistent pressure, they have a great depth, right? And, and what I, what I talked about, I always bring up Rod Marinelli because I think he was very good about keeping guys fresh, right? Um, having you know different pass rushers that you can bring in, d- different defensive ends, tackles, noses to keep guys fresh, right? Because When the game's on the line, when you need that pressure, when sometimes we see other quarterbacks holding the ball right now, it's because guys aren't fresh. And you cannot give 100% on your rush if you are not fresh, right? Mm -hmm. So I think there should be a thing where, hey, five plays, six plays, then you get out, right? Stay fresh because it's going to be better for the team. You're going to be better. You're going to be able to give more effort, more consistent pass rush. But I just don't think they have the depth right now, or they don't feel comfortable with it. You know, in my opinion. So I think this offseason we really need to work on the depth at all positions. Maybe have a defense defensive end that can play the run, you know, really well, and and pass rush at times. But maybe he's a little bit better inside as a pass rusher. Some flexibility, you know, kind of kind of like uh, you know the Pittsburgh Steelers have done for years with the Patriots. They have guys, you know, like I think of a guy like Aaron Smith. That played for the pittsburgh steelers you know he had so much versatility you know at times you know he'd be able to play defensive end then uh three technique then nose tackle and i think that type of element and being able to do different things it's it's a nightmare matchup because he's a guy that's six four six five you know that's quick strong and he's going against a, a shorter guy and a guard where he has more length on him so you know having guys like that that can play multiple positions and they could give you some flexibility. Hey, he can rush from the outside, he can rush inside, he can rush the nose. So going forward in the offseason, I I look for them to to have guys like that.
0: Yeah, that's really insightful because at, for every elite Bears defense I can think of, there's a, there's a Mark Anderson coming off the bench for nine or 10 sacks. There's a exactly. Christian Jones filling in for 12 tackles. There's a Bryce Callahan making plays. And these aren't the household names of the elite defenses that we've known in the mm-hmm. past, but those are the guys that come up and really make it happen. And yeah, in terms of the Steelers, Let me just look what they did. They had Bud Dupree a year and a half ago. And all of a sudden, Highsmith, you know, as the depth comes in, makes a couple plays because Bud Dupree's in and out of the lineup. And all of a sudden they say, don't worry, we don't need you. Bring in Melvin Ingram. Highsmith, you know, their depth continues to make the decisions on their roster easy for them based on those backup plays.
1: And I got a question for you, Joey. So, you know, in in your opinion, um, you know, how, how have you think, how, how do you think pace has done as far as bringing, he, he's done, he's done a pretty decent job, in my opinion, bringing talent, you know, the starters, et cetera. Don't you think re- really knowing a team, it, it's more about the the supporting cast, right. In, in all facets of whether it's basketball, football, don't you think the supporting cast, um, you know, is, is, is maybe not as important, but it's more important than people think. How do you think he's done a, a bringing a supporting cast, you know,
0: Well, as we've seen throughout his tenure, and let's go to 2018 and and even 2019, you know, Mm -hmm. there was the smaller moves like bringing in a Buster Screen and a Bryce Callahan, like I already mentioned, Mm -hmm. you know, and and it was those kinds of moves that I think were really helpful for this Bears defense. Now, like, in general, there's two things about it. I think in general, Brian Pace has done a pretty decent job with Mm -hmm. drafting anyone who isn't a tight end. Um, (laughs) Anyone not named uh, Adam Shaheen, and we'll see what's going on with Cole Komet. But there's Mm -hmm. two things that have been going against him. One, obviously, he keeps burning first-round capital. He keeps Mm -hmm. moving up in drafts and burning later Mm -hmm. capital, which is silly to me. I don't understand why he had to trade up for Anthony Miller. When the Mm -hmm. one thing that you can tell Ryan Pace is that from rounds four, five, and six, it's when you do your best work, man. So don't burn that capital just to move up for someone in the second or third round. I never understood Mm -hmm. that concept. And then the other one, man, is it's hard to wrap my head around, but right after that 2018 season, he handed way too much money out to the defense. Uh, you know, I don't know. He handed money out to Eddie Goldman. He, you know, he signed up Kyle Fuller. Uh, you know, he extended Danny Trevathan last year, which I found to be quite curious. Mm. You know, Adrian Amos was a poison pill, right? I mean, as much as we would have wanted to keep him around, that was a poison pill by the Packers. Obviously they did a restricted offer on him, paid him his money and signed him. The bears decided not to match. And to Amos's credit, he's been pretty great in green Bay. So, again, like I like some of the moves that Ryan Pace has made along the way, but every single move like that has been kind of countered with a move that has tied his hands at the same time, which makes me feel like that there's a little bit of a lack of vision Mm -hmm. and there's a little bit of a reactionary mentality to just because this happens, I, or doesn't go my way. I need to automatically switch it around and I need to do something else. Like after that 2018 team, you didn't really need to spend a lot of money on Eddie Goldman, but you kind of did. And instead of saying to yourself, we're just going to ride this defense and Mitch all the way to the Super Bowl," You could have also said, our defense is pretty damn good. Why don't I draft a couple more guys? And why don't I spend that money on the offense and create more of a balance? You went top heavy in that. And Mm -hmm. we're still kind of paying for those sins to this day in terms of salary cap problems. I mean, what's your, what's your take on what pace has done just overall.
1: Yeah, I mean, I think he's done a done a pretty good job on getting the talent in, in the right places, right? Bringing in Allen Robinson, um, you know, drafting a guy like Darnell Mooney. Um, you know, there was a couple of misses here or there, like Anthony Miller was productive for for a season or two and then kind of fizzled out. Um, you know, yeah, I think it's, I think it's more so. Yeah, exactly. That's what I think more so than anything. But I think um, you know, Eddie Goldman, that one kind of kind of baffles me a little bit because yeah. when I look at you know paying players. I don't really see the emphasis on nose tackle, in my opinion, because I think that's a guy you can get anywhere, potentially, right? I, I really think if, if if now if Eddie Goldman was an 8 to 10 sack nose tackle, now we're talking, right? But but that's the thing. You can have anybody play the run solid off, off the street, in, in my opinion. I think you could find run stuffers anywhere. It's, it's the guys that pass rush and can get sacks and get consistent pressure that that generate that type of money and I just didn't see that um in my opinion I thought they could have got a maybe more talented pass rusher or you know bring in a couple situational pass rushers guys that are you know kind of like a Robert Quinn what they were thinking you know towards the tail end of his career maybe you know not the same he as he was before but he can can pass rush you know bringing guys like that um I, I would just like more of that because I think that's what wins games and and that's how you how you make runs in the playoffs, that's how you win Super Bowls. And I always, I always look back to the Giants team and you look at the depth they had at pass rush. They had, um, Ossia Justin Tuck. Um, who do they have? Um, Kiwanuka, Matthias Kiwanuka. Yeah yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. yeah. I mean, they, they had so many different weapons on there. Barry Cofield, who I played in, in college with, um, it just had so many different weapons in there that you can mix and match. At any point in time, you know, Justin Tuck slid inside. You remember I talked about the flexibility. He can he can rush off the edge, then he can rush inside, you know, had two sacks in the Super Bowl. So guys like that that can be a nightmare matchup, you know, for you know, that can do multiple things. And I think that's always what allows teams to make good runs whenever you have a great pass rush. It's not only with you know the front four that you have in there, it's the backups as well.
0: And if you, when you look at it, and we'll see what happens, Ryan Pace at the end of this year. Mm-hmm but it really, it really makes you scratch your head. When you say,
1: I we think, haven- we what's think we know it's going to happen. I think
0: not know what's going to happen. And honestly, I'm, I'm kind of excited for a fresh start because if you look back on it, we haven't paid a quarterback, I think more than 20 million in about six or seven years. Yep. We haven't paid top dollar to a running back in six or seven years. So how in the hell is our salary cap? this messed up, you know, and it comes down to, I think you probably know better than me, but kicking signing bonus money down the road, right? Rolling it over onto your books next year Mm -hmm. when you're really not going for it, but you're just trying to sort of save face and just kind of like be competitive in a a weird way. Mm -hmm. And it's just for every, every time for every mistake, the reaction to it almost made a double bad mistake when
1: exactly
0: I think some of his draft picks have been good. I just think the vision has been lacking like this whole time. And, And still to this day, we don't really know. Who this bears team is right we yeah, don't like exactly. you know matt Nagy is this offensive vertical passing guru and Corey at the beginning of the season you're like hey man we got to run the ball they don't figure mm-hmm. that out until week three or week four man so the lack of vision has been the biggest problem and i think that's why they need a refreshing change at the coaching and at the general manager position yeah for someone to try and implement that and sort of walk down a straight path because again yeah. you have five years with justin fields at pretty damn good money. There's a lot of room. And I think they have 50 million coming off the books next year and maybe more. We'll see what happens. Uh, this is the time. Now's the time. And I don't know if you should allow the same people to be making those decisions again.
1: Yeah, no, I couldn't agree with you more. I think, I think time is up. I think cool. they realized that, um, you know, th- the thing is like, well, what what, what kind of makes me, I guess a little, little mad about is, is the fact that everybody praised Matt Nagy as being this offensive guru because of the false pretense of him being the offensive coordinator when it was Andy Reid show. That's that's what kind of bothers me a little bit, and I understand that everyone's like, oh, okay, you know, he's the coordinator, so he must call the plays. But, you know, doing, doing everything, you, you think like he doesn't have that experience doing that, right? And I think it should have been from the jump. Listen, you know, you're the head coach. Maybe bring in a guy that you feel more comfortable with. because I think the guys bought into everything Matt Nagy was about you from the beginning. Right. Mm-hmm. And you, and you saw how they played for him. They wanted to run through a wall, but the thing is once, once everything got disbanded with Vic Fangio, I think we fit, figured out quick that listen, we need a better offense. Right. Mm-hmm. And it just wasn't happening. And, and Matt Nagy didn't take accountability for it. And I think that's a little bit on Ryan Pace too, for, for not sending a message like, listen, I'm the GM of this team. You want to be the head coach. We need a different coordinator right? And that should have been after that second season, right? The first season was cool because you were winning in this, but the 2019 season
0: was a disaster. We want to talk about last year being a problem. 19 was a total, utter exactly.
1: Exactly. And halfway through that season, it should have been known. He should have had a meeting with him and said, listen, if you want to be the head coach of this team, you you have to change the coordinator. You know, you have to give up the play calling and that's it, you know, And, and that should have been the And it seems Oh, if, if Ryan Pace didn't want to ruffle any feathers or he felt, God, I don't, I know he didn't feel comfortable with the, way the offense was performing, but, you know, I think it, it should have been known that, listen, this is not how we're going to run things. And, you know, at the end of the day, the, the, the GM is responsible for, for keeping everything in order and that should have been known you know, after 2019, halfway through the 2019 season. That's well, how going to fly.
0: And and Corey, maybe this is a, a conversation for another pod because maybe it's a longer conversation, but isn't this all a part of that NFL bureaucracy, the politics that us fans don't get to see that you probably lived of the whole thing of Matt Nagy's uh, recommendation, letter of recommendation came from Andy Reid. And then you begin to slowly find out that he can't, this offensive guru runs one system, and it is that system, and that system works, so we're going to keep doing it until we bang our head through the wall. There's no adjustment. There's no innovation. There's no tweaking. It is all based on the same route concepts and schemes and mm-hmm. mentalities. And then on top of that, it's all this other thing about how, um, you know, they, they've they went been through a lot of offensive line coaches over the last couple mm-hmm. years. And I've talked to some guys, too, that talk about, you know, when Harry Heastan showed up, He liked only having his guys be on offensive line. Mm. And that's why we're like, well, what happened when Alex bars and Sam must got on the field late last year, everyone said, well, where were those guys the whole time? Well, Mm. it's because he wasn't, he stands guys and, and he, you know what I mean? And all this other stuff that kind of goes into what coaches like and who, who their boys are and who's not in the circle and who's not in the club and all this other stuff. And Matt Nagy has been able to parlay it into a four year career as a head coach. And I'll be honest, I don't think he's gonna be a head coach anywhere else
1: yeah, or a yeah. coordinator. No, I, I, I agree with you. I think I think people are gonna look at his track record and say, you know, I, I think he did a good job when he first Bears of, of, you know, rallying the troops, getting everybody to buy in. Cause I, I think if, if he would have just relinquished the play calling duties back in 2019, I don't think we'd be sitting here saying this right now. I think everything would have been better. And I think Mitch had a better career. Time everybody think it was Mitch, and it wasn't. You know, Mitch Mitch Trubisky isn't Justin Fields, so I'm I'm glad that maybe it didn't work out. You know, I I hope Mitch has success. You know, in the future, but I think Justin Fields is is a is a better player than than Mitch could have ever been, in my opinion. You know, but yeah, I just I just think it was a thing. You know, with with Matt Nagy that he just he 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 ruined Mitch Trubisky, and I feel I feel really bad for him. You know, I feel I feel bad for him because I think if if you could have schemed it up better you know if we if he would have had bill laser you know calling some of these plays and consistently and mix, mix, mixing and matching the run i think it would have worked out a lot better and i don't think anyone everyone would be saying oh Mitch Trubisky is is this trash pick you know and and i really don't think he is so it's just unfortunate that you know he had to go through that but i'm just hoping now that they they realize it. i think that, i think everyone realizes that Matt Nagy was was the problem in Chicago and it wasn't Mitch. So um, you know, going forward, I, I just think we need to find a coach, a more offensive minded coach that has a proven track record. That's what I said. Like I think I think a Ryan Day is, is a great pick, you know, a guy that has called plays, been an offensive coordinator for years, his systems work, and he has experience with a guy like Justin Fields. So I think, I think that is what one of my top Candidates, in my opinion, because I look at how Cliff Kingsbury, you know, coming from college scheme and what he's done with Kyler Murray's career. And, you know, it didn't start out that way. It was a process. Right. And you got to give people time. We have given Matt Nagy time. And this time is over after the season, in my opinion. So I would like to, to have a offensive guru, not not somebody that was working under somebody, but somebody that had been a track record of calling plays.
0: Yeah. I don't even really, you know, and part of the reason why I was leaning, I love the Ryan day. The part of the reason I was leaning on that Sean Payton thing, obviously cause it's a big name and it would be very surprising, but mm-hmm. I don't know, man. I, I, and people always talk about that cheesecake factory menu that Matt Nagy always has, you know what I mean? The big stuff. But at the end of the day, dude, I don't want a guy who calls just like one great play. I want a guy that walks in and goes, you know what? I don't care how we play today. We're getting to 24 points. Like, I love it when he goes, Hey man, I think in this game plan we run the ball 35 times. I think in this game plan we throw the ball 35 times. Mm-hmm. I think in this game plan we split. I think in this game plan we run sweeps to stress their gap. To you know, I want someone that's innovative, creative, and that can uh, willingly, like, kind of match their system to the opponent that they have on week,
1: week to week basis. Adjust, adjust. Yes, keep them that's guessing. The keep them exactly. guessing.
0: You know what I mean? And Justin Fields, legs, brains, arm. Makeup, physicality. I think he can play a lot of different games, right? He can play a lot of different kinds of games. So if we have that kind of quarterback, we have to match him with that kind of coach. I don't think we have that right now, and hopefully we do get that by season's end.
1: Yep, that's what I'm hoping (laughs) too.
0: Corey, uh, let's go on a bye week, huh? Uh, Yeah. Believe in Bears, listeners. Thank you so much for checking out this episode of uh, Bears Steelers post game. Me and Corey, we're going on vacation together. Uh, no, no, <laughs> yeah, we're gonna go play tons of golf. Uh, and uh, but no, man, um, enjoy your week off, man. Uh, today's episode was presented by BetOnline.ag. Fifty percent off your first welcome bonus when you use promo code Believe five zero B L E A V five zero. My name is Joey Christopoulos. a Joey Sports Guy. Corey, man, take us home. We're taking yep. the rest of the week off, but we're coming back and we're going to preview yeah. a huge must-win matchup against the Ravens in week eleven.
1: Exactly. Looking forward to it, man. You can find me on socials at Corey Wooten, C-O-R-E-Y, W2Os, 2Ts, O-N, Instagram, Twitter. Looking forward. Rest and recover, not only for us, but the Bears team, right? Hopefully, hopefully we'll see a rejuvenated team. We'll see Justin Fields have some trademark. Justin Fields, what we're going to know it as performances. I'm just looking forward to it, man. The future is bright in Chicago. I couldn't be more excited. I know you're excited. You know, smiling ear to ear. Yeah. Um, but looking forward to it. So rest up, recover, golf, do whatever you want to do, and we'll catch you guys next week.
0: Very well said, Corey. And yeah, man, I'm I'm banged up as a podcaster, right? I need that. I need it the next
1: week. Your ears, and you know, yeah. Your ears are hurting
0: (laughs) A sprained ear man A sprained ear from (laughs) All this naggy yelling we've been doing recently Uh, Everyone thank you so much for checking out this pod Be well, be safe, please be good to each other Like and subscribe this pod And, uh, And we'll be back very soon, bear down